Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Whereabouts are you in the world today? I'm actually on one of my islands in Sweden. Oh, awesome. You might hear, you might, you might hear some, some waves clucking in the background. Ah, that'd be very nice. Very nice indeed. So, Friedrich, I've given a brief background or uh, explanation about who you are and so forth, an introduction. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your background? Yeah, I, I think that was ex exemplary, actually. I think that was a good summary of what I do. I have studied and I continue to study human creativity. That's my passion. Yeah, excellent. And so how did you get into that and leadership and other things and change? How did you get into this, Frederick? Well, I went to university in, 19, in the early 1990s. And in 1993, I went to study one semester in America. And I, and I had a girlfriend in Sweden. And it, at that university, they had something called the internet and where you could send emails, which meant I could send letters to my, to my girlfriend in one day instead of two weeks. So I said, you have to go find a computer that has internet somewhere. And that's when I saw the internet. Then I came back to Sweden in 93. In 94, I wrote my university thesis on, on uh, internet and marketing. I think it was the first thesis on, it, on the topic at, in Sweden. And, uh, and my, <laughs> my professor... Uh, first wouldn't let me write on it. And then when I had written it, he copied it and put it into a, a book and published a book. <laughs> That's when I learned wow. never, never to trust professors. But that, too, that was a, so, um, so suddenly I was an internet expert and, and, I, and I was 27 years old. I had studied internet for 10 weeks, which meant I knew 10 weeks more about the internet than anyone else did in Sweden. And I was therefore an expert and I became a speaker. People asked me to come and speak about this thing that I knew so much about. I like to say sometimes being an expert means knowing more than the audience. And in my case, I knew 10, 10 weeks more about the internet than anyone else. That made me an expert. And then since then, I've been trying to stay 10 weeks ahead of everyone else. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, you just keep staying ahead of your audience and, and then you're all good there. And it's interesting how life has started to change even then in those days in the sense of the internet and being able to send your girlfriend a letter or a message within two days or one day versus sending it over over two weeks. It's it's amazing how things have changed and we see things changing even more so now as well. So do you see a lot of things changing for us in the sense of technology is driving change? Yeah. So, I mean, basically the, for the first five years in the, in the 1990s, I spoke about the internet. I was an internet speaker. And then in 2000, I get tired of it because I felt, well, now we thought about everything we can think about about the internet. So now what am I going to speak about? And now 20 years later, we're still talking about digital transformation. It's kind of mind-blowing, actually. 
But it's mm. it's it's fascinating because I mean the change that we've seen in the last twenty years is nothing compared to the change we will see in the next twenty years, and that's what makes it so interesting to to study the topic right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the next twenty years, you're you're so right. There's going to be a lot of change happening for sure. Frederick, here's a question for you, and and that is that now this person could be alive or the person can be from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Well, okay. I think that's a very good question, I, I, but I, I want to answer it in a bit in a different way. I would say my favorite leader is all the unknown leaders that do all the, this amazing work and, and never get any acknowledgement for it or any recognition for it. Like, a, I don't know, a small, someone starting a Sunday school somewhere uh, and get the kids together so they have something to do on the weekend or uh, if you want me to put a name on it, I can I can put a name on it. Her name is Robin, and she runs an organization for children of sex workers in the slums of Mumbai. She goes out and finds these totally neglected children, and she runs this tiny organization on a tiny budget and with these traumatized girls and very little recognition, very little reward, a lot of hard work, and does amazing work. And uh, there are, there are, And she's amazing, but there are millions of people like that all over the world. Yeah, and it's amazing the work that they do. And as you said, it's unrecognized. It's sort of being done in the background, but it's so important work, right? It's, it's, it's work that they do that has major impact in our future, in our children for the future, in our generations for the future. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, innovation is a very important topic, but I would, I would go so far to say that leadership is an even more important topic because if you don't have leaders, not very much gets done. I mean, yes, you know, you, you, people can do things one on one, and one but then we, then we still need self-leadership. So either way, we need leadership to get things done. So it's a very, very important topic. And I think it's really good that, like I said, I studied the internet for, uh, in the beginning and I saw the potential of sharing knowledge and information. And to think about how much leadership is improving in the world because things like this, free education, free podcast, free blogs or whatever on how to helping leaders become better because God knows in the history of mankind, we, we, uh, we have had very, a lot of bad leaders and a lot of people who never had an, any ability to learn how to become better leaders. So now you can sit, you can sit in, I don't know where, you can sit in Afghanistan for God's sake, and if you want to study how to become a leader, now you can do that from the best leader, leadership consultants and coaches anywhere in the world. And that in itself is going to lead to even more innovation. So it, it, however you look at it, it's, it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, that global reach of the internet and being able to do that and having that access to this material, as you said, is, is tremendous. And, and it'll be wonderful to see where it's going to go, but also what other... I'm going to call them product, but I'm going to say the outcomes or results that we'll see the new leaders of the future. And uh, it's going to be really exciting to see what that happen. Yeah, I uh, I actually pulled my kids out of school. So one year hmm. ago, so we're, we're now homeschooling our kids and wow. we are doing it to teach them how to learn so that they're ready for whenever they come out. So, so basically they have one teacher in the UK, they have one teacher in, in the Philippines they have a coding teacher sits in, in India. Uh, so we're basically finding the teachers that we can find online to teach them. And then in the morning, they get one hour with the teacher and says, this is what you're going to do today. And then they go on and they do it. And they are five, well, soon six, eight, and 10. And they're working independently by assignment that they've been given on in video chats or online. And they go on and they do it and they do 
online search research for the material they need to do and things like that. And they're learning very, very well how to work in a, in a world that is, because they're growing up as, as true internet digital native people. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of the kids that go to schools today are still not. I mean, the last industry to adapt to this new world is, is, is regular school. And that's very sad because they're not learning how, how they should work and how we will work and how we are working today, actually. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think the, uh, the other beautiful thing about that is that the, the kids are learning how to be independent, how to, how to stand on their own two feet and, and, and do things and go out and learn themselves rather than being somebody standing at the top of them, telling them what to do. Well, I mean, I've, I've had a background primarily most of my life in sales, but over that time, I've got to really understand not only myself overcoming many obstacles and, and a major transformation I went through 22 years ago, but also really, really to understand how people communicate and how they lead. And from that, I, I was able to migrate into coaching and, and it's become a passion of mine working with individuals and companies, how to lead effectively by example and be a resource to build more winning, engaging teams, empowering others to own their role and duties in uh, their jobs and so on. Awesome. And what do you like about coaching in particular? Well, it's just something I guess it's been born into me. I come from a family of teachers. My mother was a teacher. My aunts and uncles were teachers. I have cousins that are teachers. My mother always said you would make a great teacher. And I say, well, I am teaching and I am educating. That's not in a traditional role like a teacher would in a school, but yet I'm doing it as an executive coach. But I also do some adjunct faculty work for two universities in uh, their business program that are non-accredited. So I help them to really help build some value in terms of uh, applied knowledge to businesses that are around uh, where those schools are located. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, coaching is a wonderful thing. And, and I love doing it as well with people. And I just like seeing them, get the, them getting the light bulb moment or the, that transformational situation or that insight that really just changed their lives their teams and all their organizations, which is, which is a wonderful thing to see for sure. Hey, Christopher, you talked about you got into sales and so forth. So how did you get into leadership? Well, leadership was just something that came natural to me. I, I've always had this uncanny ability where people would come and open up to me, meaning that they would tell me things that they wouldn't tell their bosses, wouldn't tell their peers, wouldn't even tell their significant others. So the fact that I had this ability made, probably led I didn't know it at the time, was that I had this ability to connect where people were. So if people were feeling vulnerable or if they felt incompetent, maybe they didn't know enough, they didn't want to disclose this information to people they work for, fearing they might lose credibility, might lose their job. But yet people felt very comfortable talking to me about that. And because of that vulnerability and transparency, those are two strengths that allow an individual to, to, to grow from where they are into everything that they desire to be. I just had this ability to do that and help people move along through a plot, you know, being the, the, the messenger, being someone that related and understood where they were at and, and shared from experience, empowering them to take ownership of where they were and where they desired to be to go from there. So I kind of guided them and gave them the blueprint, but first connecting on court on shared values connecting at a place where they felt comfortable, where they could be vulnerable and transparent to start moving forward. 
Yeah, that ability to connect with people uh, where they are at is, is a really, really important skill to have. And I think a lot of leaders nowadays, they're not doing that because they're running, as I said in my introduction, email to email, meeting to meeting, and they're overwhelmed and, and they're finding it a little bit difficult to, to be able to do that. But they just probably need to get themselves out of the way and allow them to be there present with people. And I think being present is probably one of the biggest things that a lot of leaders could do today. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you just nailed it, Dennis. I mean, it is about being present. See, if we're going to be effective leaders, we have to be able to lead by example and be a resource. So if we're not being the example of everything that we're looking to do to inspire people that work for us to own their role and own their duties, then all we're going to be stuck in doing is telling people how, when, or why to do something. Mm. And when not doing it to the level that you anticipate, then it's just going to lead to more telling and more conflict and things not getting done. You're, you're operating from expectations tied to outcomes that operate in the past and future in terms of thinking. So as leaders, we have to be present. We have to learn to think differently in a way to be different, to become different, to do different, and then have different, better results. Well, we can shift away from telling people how, when, to why to do something and share from experience, being that example and being a resource rather than pleasing and enabling others and shifting our result process into the moment of trusting what we know and what we can control and maximizing that mm. and letting go of everything else and not tying ourselves to the expectations, the outcomes, we'll have far better results and more likely to inspire people through our example and our resources to do the same over time, creating more future leaders in their role and duties. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, being the role model or example to inspire people, I love that. Uh, the thing is, that's probably got a good segue into the next question here. And, and Christopher, this could be a little bit uh, interesting for you in the sense that you've probably got many, but let's just think about one in particular if you can. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Wow. it's I have so many favorite leaders out there. I would have to say that I respect my wife, number one, because my wife is always the example. I respect Richard Branson is one. And here's why I respect Richard Branson. Because Richard Branson is highly transparent from day one. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. When you think of that name, Sir Richard Branson, you think that this man could do no wrong. Like he is... He is an expert and, and, you know, he has strengths in almost every aspect of doing business, but he'll be the first to tell you that's not the case. And he's someone that will say yes to something, knowing that he sees an opportunity, but yet will say that I don't have all the answers. I've made mistakes. And this is an individual that also leads by example, meaning that he shares from experience. He inspires people on his teams, whether what it would depend upon what business it is to take ownership over their role and duties and create an environment that regardless of title, that people can really grow into their strengths, offset their weaknesses, and create more interdependency in those types of work environments. So he would be one that comes to mind. Another one is Mary Barham from GM. This was a woman who grew up in that typical you know, that old school men's world of running a bureaucratic business. She grew up with sexual harassment and all these bureaucratic things that how companies used to run in the day. And throughout her career, rose through the ranks and was able to transform General Motors to where it is today, where it operates from a place of servant leadership, a visionary, a combination of servant, visionary, and then also coaching a style of leadership. 
So it's a completely different environment than it was 20 plus years ago. And so from a woman, from being a woman leader who I respect highly, she is someone I hold in high regards as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 